Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Let me just make this statement. You want to write it down. You cannot join the church... You have to be spiritually born into it. Jesus said to Nicodemus, a religious leader, he said this, you must be born again. Why are you going to heaven? Because I'm a member of the church. You say, well, people don't believe that way. Oh, yes, people do believe that way. Are they going to heaven? Not a chance. Not a chance. They're not born again. You have to be born again. Many are under the mistaken notion that they can just join the church. This is why so many churches are filled with people who are outwardly religious, but inwardly unchanged. In today's message, Pastor Mark reminds us that people cannot just join the church as if they were joining a club. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. This is a spiritual transaction that occurs by receiving Jesus Christ by faith. Only those who believe and receive Jesus Christ become members of His body, the church. Are you part of the true church, the living body of Christ? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark with his continuing study entitled, What's This Thing Called the Church? And that man would be succeeded by other Peters as it moved down through time. Now, as centuries began and moved along, something else changed. Not was just a man the head of the church now, but when this pope or man would speak, he could speak with infallible truth. In other words, there would be times that the pope would speak Ex-cathedra, it's called, ex-cathedra. It means on matters of faith and matters of morals, not just any time the Pope would speak, but when the Pope would speak on matters of faith and moral, his words were just as true as the Bible. So what happened over time is, this became the authority in the Catholic Church, plus man's, the Pope's words, that would need to be added to the Bible. Sometimes the Pope's words were even more reliable than the Bible. Now, you can imagine that we struggle a little with that, and that's one of the main things, that it isn't formed on a man. You'll, You'll see this in a moment. But we don't believe in matters of faith and morals that man can add to the Bible. Doesn't need to be added to the Bible. You see, guys... This is, where, this is where we differ a little bit. Now, what is the Protestant view of this? What do we believe? Well, we believe one of these last two things. That when Jesus spoke, he didn't say, I'm going to put my church on a man. 
one of these two things. That the Protestant church, what Jesus was saying is, on the profession of every person that says, you're the Christ, you're God, you're the Messiah, I believe in you, that's what the church is made of. People that believe in the Messiah. Or we believe that what Jesus was saying is, Pete, on me, you're a little stone, but on me, I'm going to base my church. So Protestants believe that the church is not based on a man, but based on God, or the testimony, the profession of truth. Do you get it? The three things. So you see the difference. Now, let me. I think you'll make this very clear. If Jesus is talking to me, and I'm Pete, and he just says, Pete, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Is there anybody standing there, Pete and Jesus, do you think Pete would understand what Jesus just said about rock? Do you think he would understand the meaning of the word rock? Do you? Well, sure he would. Pete wouldn't go, what do you mean by rock? I don't understand rock. If he didn't understand rock, God would have explained it to him. Jesus would have explained it to him. Am I correct? He wouldn't have walked away and said, Pete says, man, he says, I'm a rock. What, 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 what's a rock? I don't know what the rock is. Why didn't you ask him? I didn't want to ask him. He asked, he knew. If anybody knew what rock meant, Pete knew what rock meant. Now, to do that, you have to keep your finger right there. Let's go back and see what Pete wrote about it. When you see it, it will be explicitly clear. 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. Just get your Bible. That's why you have a Bible. Flip back toward the end, almost to the book of Revelation, 1 Peter chapter 2. And you're going to see Peter, by his own testimony, never saw him as the rock. He never saw himself as that which the church was going to be built on. In fact, Peter's going to explain it was built on people who confess that Jesus Christ is God, the Messiah, and their Savior. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Now, this is Peter later, and he's going to use the same terms we heard. Rock, living, stones. So he understood what it was. Take a look. Come to Christ, come to God, Jesus, who is the, have we heard living before? Yes, you are the son of the living God. So here we go again. Peter says, come to Christ, who is the living cornerstone. Now we don't understand that, but in a building, a cornerstone is the foundation. It's the most important part on the foundation. He says, come to Christ, doesn't say come to Peter, He says, come to Christ, who is the cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he is precious to God who chose him. And now God is building you as living stones into his spiritual temple. So what Pete says is, we have a foundation of the church. It's Jesus Christ. It's the cornerstone. But all of us who profess Jesus, we're little stones. We're just being built into this big thing called the church. So it gives us an illusion of a building. So if you're a Christian this morning... You're a little stone. You're not the stone. We don't believe God ever established his church on a man. Hallelujah. But living stones. He says, in a spiritual temple. Now this next one I'll explain in a moment. It's going to cause you a little trouble. It's okay. What's more, you are God's holy priest. Well, who is the you? Is he talking to a bunch of bishops? Is he talking to a bunch of popes? Is he talking to a bunch of Catholics? A bunch of Protestant ministers? No, he's talking to Christians. He says every Christian is a a priest. What? Yes. What? I don't think so. Well, Pete thought, though, this is the word of God. He goes on. Who offered the spiritual sacrifice that pleased him because of Jesus Christ. As the scriptures express it, 
I am placing Peter, watch me read it, I am placing Peter in Jerusalem, a chosen cornerstone, and anyone who believes in Peter will never be disappointed. Does that make sense to you? Would anybody be disappointed in Peter? Lots of people would. So would Peter. Do you remember right after this, we'll get to it, right after this, Peter says, Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. Peter says, you're not going to the cross. What, are you crazy? And you know what Jesus says to Pete? Hey, Pete, the man that I just put in charge of the church, Satan's now in you. Careful. So let's read how it is. As the scriptures express it, I am placing a stone, Jesus, in Jerusalem, a chosen cornerstone, Jesus, the foundation of the church, and anyone who believes in Jesus will never be disappointed. Amen. That's truth. That's the difference. So when you see it, it's exquisitely clear to us of these principles. Peter himself, by his own testimony, does not see himself as that rock. So, what do we believe? We believe as Protestants, one of those two things, and they're kind of the same. We don't believe, and I'll go through seven things for you in a moment really quick. We believe that the rock that Jesus is talking about was either he pointed to himself, the rock, I'm the cornerstone, or the profession of faith. As you believe, as you say, I believe that you're Jesus, you're God, you're the Messiah, you're my Savior, on that rock... That truth is how the church of Christ is built. Now, let me give you seven things, and you can't write them down this morning. You can't write them down. Let me just go through them quickly. Number one, we believe here that the Bible teaches that God did not build his church on a man or a human. The reason we believe that is, the scripture points it out. Secondly, there is no perfect human. So if we have a church built on this fluctuating man, it would be, I'm glad today the church is not built on me. And I'm glad the church is not built on you. It's built on God. Now, second, we do believe, when we mention Peter, that the Bible teaches that Peter was mightily used by God. But he was simply one of many leaders in the early church. Peter was used by God. He was an incredible believer after the day of Pentecost. He preached the first sermon. He was used mightily in the church. But even when we get to the book of Acts, Acts around 15, 16, somewhere in that area, the church had to come back to Jerusalem. They had to come back to Jerusalem to decide what to do with these Gentiles. When they came back to Jerusalem, we had leaders from all over come back. You know who the leader was at that meeting? Of all these New Testament leaders? was not Peter. See, if he'd have been the Pope, he'd have been, he was not. The leader was actually James, the brother of Jesus. So he was a leader, but one of many, many, many leaders. Now, let me show you a verse, not to cause any problems with maybe your background, but watch what happens to Peter. Peter knows exactly who he is. He's not special. In Acts chapter 10, follow me, look at me just for a moment, then we'll read it. Peter is challenged by God to go to this Gentile home. Well, Jews don't go to Gentile homes. And God had to work with him. And he gave him this vision. And three times he gave him, began to speak. And finally Peter said, okay, I'll go to the Gentile home. What Jesus was trying to say is, my church is going to be Jews and Gentiles. Peter said, that can't be. No, that's the way it's going to be. You go to the home. As he goes into the home of Cornelius, Cornelius is a Gentile. Here's this incredible holy leader a man. Notice what happens. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius, this unbeliever, a believer who was just kind of trying to figure out who God was, met him. And what did Cornelius do? Watch this. He fell at his feet in what? In reverence. 
Now, why did he fall on his feet as reverence? Because he wanted to honor this. He wanted to revere this man, this holy man of God. Now, notice what Pete does. This is very important. You understand this. Not making fun. You need to understand this. Pete doesn't say, thank you. I want to bless you. What does Pete do? What's it say he does? He says to Cornelius, what? Stand up. Well, why should he stand up? Because I am only a man myself. Do you understand what the Bible teaches? We don't bow down to any man. Now, I know you respect me. You should. I'm a leader. I'm a pastor. But you don't revere me. I'm not holy. Only God's holy. Do you understand the difference? So if Peter is the first pope, we have a problem. Because we don't see that today, do we? We see a special reverence, a bowing down, kissing of the ring, all these kind of things. No, pizza, stand up. I'm just a man. By the way, he wasn't the first pope. There is no man that, the only person we bow down to is God. You don't bow down to me. You don't bow to any man or woman. We bow down to God. By the way, we don't bow down, John found this out, to angels. Only God. Only God is who we bow down to. Number three, we believe the Bible teaches the priesthood of all believers. That's a tough one for us. Remember, Peter said, you are God's holy priest. See, there's no, the New Testament doesn't make any, watch me, any distinction between clergy and laity, between pastors, priests, now, people that publicly are in front of people and the person in the congregation in the pew. There's no kind of distinction made. Now, there is a distinction made for the gifts that we have. Yes, I'm a leader, elder, bishop, overseer, pastor, all the same meaning. We're just servant leaders. Yes, I have a different role. I have a different function. I'm a leader. But I'm no better than the person in the seat because you're gifted. And we all, remember this verse, we all can approach God ourselves. So we don't need a go-between. You didn't have to come to me. You didn't have to go through a man. So we always submit to a leader as that leader submits to God. But the leader is no better. We're all equal. That's why the priesthood of believers. Number four, we don't see anywhere in the Bible that Peter or any man became the final authority of truth and morality. This is our truth. The Bible is always the final authority. We don't believe man can add to that or come up with his own interpretation of that. We don't believe in that ex-cathedral. We don't believe somebody can speak a word that actually becomes equal or better than the word of God. We don't believe any human can add to the word of God. Number five, this one you need to understand. Peter never took a vow of celibacy. How do I know that? Peter had a mother-in-law. Mother-in-law, mother-in-law. Now, if you have a mother-in-law, somewhere there's a wife. Am I right? So how do you explain that? You can't explain it. There's no vow of celibacy. Last, we don't see anywhere in the Bible there's this secession from Peter to other men. Never. You can't find it. You can't find it in history. It was just developed. So, doesn't mean we're against all those things. We just don't see them. Some we're definitely against. We don't believe a man can add to this. This is what I teach. It's complete. It's finished. It's perfect. 
it changes us from day to day. We don't believe in bowing down to a man. Our people in the Catholic Church who love God and worship God and ask Jesus Christ to come in, are they saved? Absolutely. We just believe some of the things around the outside just don't match. By the way, do you know many of the fundamental things in the Catholic Church that we believe we're closer to them than many Protestant churches? Do you know many Protestant churches today don't even believe in the Word of God? They won't even teach that Jesus is the Son of God. There's many wonderful things in the Catholic Church that has a great foundation. It's just when they go outside of this that we go, no, that's not who we are. That's why there's Protestant and there's Catholic. And we're Protestant. So understand what we're teaching. Now back to Matthew. Matthew 16. Look at verse 18. I want to give you five things to write real quickly. We're going to go very fast. Number one, Christ is the founder of the church. He's the founder. On this rock I'll build my church. He's going to build it. He's going to build it. He is building it. Number two, Christ is not only the founder, he's the foundation of the church. We've gone through that. It's either the profession, but basically Christ, it's his church. He's the founder of the church. He's the foundation of the church. Peter was a stone, but he was not the foundation of the church. There is only one true church. It isn't the Catholic church. It isn't the Protestant church. It isn't Calvary Chapel. There's one universal church. It's based on Jesus Christ. Number three, Christ is the head or the authority of the church. Anything that's a living organism must have a head. In a marriage... Understand this, I don't want to cause problems, but we'll come back to it another time. In the home, there has to be only one head. God designed the husband to be the head, the servant leader. At work, there has to be a head. It can't run with two heads. Two heads a freak. (laughs) No head is dead. Do you got it? Here's the authority. Christ is the head of the church's body. Who calls the shots in a church? I don't call the shots. God does. How do we do church? Why church? How do we do church? Who says the church should operate this way, that we should study the word, there should be worship? Who designs that? Today, you know what our society says? I'll design it. I'm looking for a church that's going to fit me just the way I want it. You please me, I'll tell God how to design his church. I don't think so. Number four, Christ is the builder of the church. In 1 Corinthians, I won't take time to read it this morning, the whole process is this. We share the word, we water the word, we invite people to church, but the one that really brings the increase, the one that really opens people's eyes is Jesus. You see, Jesus founded his church, he designed his church, and he directs his church. It's his church. It's not my church. We can do things different. Methods always change, but the message never changes. What are we finding in our world? We find lots of churches that say, well, we can't mention the word sin. You certainly can't have an altar call. You don't want people to feel guilty that they're not right with God. You want them to feel good. So understand that the church, we do all the work, really, but God does the things that only he can do. You see, Some people would say, well, can you really just teach the Bible and people's lives will change? Yes! (laughs) That's exactly what we were told to do. The Word of God is living. There's many churches you'll go into. It's dead. There's no spirit. There's no, I'm not talking about people running the aisles. There's no spirit. But God's a living God. And he wants us to, to be part of this change process. 
Now notice in this verse, Jesus says, I will build my church. When will that happen? Here's why the New Testament church is different than the Old Testament church. Because the New Testament, Galatians 3 says, it'll have Jews, it'll have Gentiles, it'll have free people, it'll have men, it'll have women, it'll have slaves, it will have every kind of nationality, every kind of all. See, the Jewish temple never had Gentiles. They had to have a separate area of worship. If you were sick, you couldn't go into that. The New Testament church is all different. Now, when did the New Testament church start? The New Testament church started on the day of Pentecost. That's when it started. Is there an ending point to the church, the New Testament church? Will church as we know it eventually end? Yes, there is. It'll end at what? The rapture. There's a day coming when the trumpet of God is going to sound. And the church... A living is going to go right to heaven in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, in one one thousandth of a second. What's left? See, we're salt, we're light. Well, when the church leaves, what does that mean for the next seven years of tribulation when the Antichrist comes? Will anybody get saved during those seven years? Yes. Pastor Mark, you just said the church is leaving. It is. What will happen in the tribulation? Here's what it is. Watch me. God will use angels. And they're supernaturally going to go through all the world and tell the gospel. But you know who else he's going to use? 144,000 Jewish people who become believers and say, you are the Christ. 12,000 from every tribe. They'll go out throughout the world. By the way, can Jewish people like sell things and get into your head? Oh, they can do that. If anybody knows how to make money, it's God's people, isn't it? Jews. You say, I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, you're crazy. They are blessed by God still. And so what's going to happen is the church is gone, but the Jewish people are going to take over and many people are going to come to the Lord. But we have a time period. We're in a place, this is where we're at. We're getting close to the end. We have to have zeal. We have to have a desire to see God build his church. And that's exactly where we are right now. Now, number five, Christ adds new people to his church. I can't add new people. You can't add new people. Some people believe that if you sign a membership, that brings you into the church. No, it doesn't bring you into the church. Let me just make this statement. You want to write it down. You cannot join the church. You have to be spiritually born into it. Jesus said to Nicodemus, a religious leader, he said this, you must be born again. Why are you going to heaven? Because I'm a member of the church. You say, well, people don't believe that way. Oh, yes, people do believe that way. Are they going to heaven? Not a chance. Not a chance. They're not born again. You have to be born again. The next thing you do is, it's his church. Jesus says you have to be baptized. No, it's not equal to salvation, but it's his commandment. You can't say, well, I don't want to do that. I want to do my thing. No, 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 it's not your church. I have one question for those of you that are not yet a believer. Watch this question Jesus said to his disciples. He said this, who do you say I am? Why do we seem at times to see churches filled with so many marginal, lukewarm believers? Part of the reason may be a faulty understanding of what joining the church means. In today's edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark reminded us that one can't join the church as he might a social club. Jesus said, you must be born again. The only way to become a member of the church, Christ's body, is to be born into it. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. 
The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. What is the church and why does it exist? What is God doing through the church? In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark continues his discussion on the church. He will explain that the church is a living organism made up of all of those who have placed their faith in Jesus. He is the founder, the foundation, the head, the builder, and the expander of his church. You and I have the privilege of joining him in his work. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. in a hurry.